0: You're listening to Story Exploder, the literary podcast where writers of very short fiction break down their stories line by line, influence by influence, and revision by revision. Finally, they put it all back together again. I'm your host, Tyler Barton, and today, we have writer Pete Stevens breaking down his 372-word story, Carnival Man, which appeared in New Jerk Magazine earlier in 2016. Here's Pete. this story started as a poem, and I'm not a poet. Strips of Iberico bacon, wheels of Spanish cheese, rust-free quarter panels, the right to vote, a clean credit history, the latest in digital technology, poetry readings, hand jobs, blow jobs, kisses from mother, all of these things, this is not what he wants. I was a graduate intern with his undergraduate class. The first section of this class was on poetry. And this particular week had to be about a specific person that the student may have interacted with. And so Roger came to me in an email and he said, I need you to write this week's poem example. I want you to kind of set the foundation or set the tone of how these students are gonna write their character poems. And inside my head I'm thinking, oh man, this pressure, this sucks, I'm not a poet. The first time these students are going to see my writing is going to be this terrible poem that's going to be laughably bad and I'm going to look like an idiot. He reaches back with two hairy knuckled hands, hands that never held the curve of her waist, hands that never knew the stitching of a baseball, and tightens his ponytail. But... I sat down and I said, all right, I'm going to write this poem. And I came up with this character and I wanted to write about a guy, a Carney, a carnival man. There's a chance that I could have recently watched the Simpsons episode where Bart and Homer are, uh, they go yes, to the carnival. carnival. And rather than being repulsed by the carnies, the kind oh, of stereotype boy, image carnival. that we might have of carnies, they hold the carnies in awe and reverence. It's a ring to And I think maybe I wanted to riff off that idea in a way that was kind of aware of the cliches and aware of the familiar things we associate with carnies. And I think it would be a good way to demonstrate to these undergrads that you can talk about different kinds of characters in different ways. The children weren't there in the morning when the carnival man took his time to grease the rims of the bowls with Vaseline. Nor did they see his deft and practiced folding of an elephant ear or the way he brushed bits of cinnamon and sugar from the fuzz of his beard. I basically started with a sketch, so I drew upon my own experiences that I had with a carnival, specifically lines like the day in Nashville when the Gravitron broke free from its housing and ascended, spinning into the clouds. I remember the first year I went into the Gravitron, when I was eight or nine, and it really freaked me out. And I I just went in the one time, and I barely made it, but then the next year, I, I somehow I'd gathered up the courage and I decided, you know what, I'm just going to kill this Gravitron. Over and over again, I would ride it that year and I would do the upside down and I would, you know, try to reach out from the Gravitron. And it was this kind of magical experience while the hard rock music played in the background. And I remember thinking that, you know, I'd really achieved some kind of next step in my life. Endings, I think, for me and for a lot of fiction writers are difficult. It was... Part of the original poem, this last line, was its own stanza. It was the last stanza of the poem. The carnival man hoses mud from his shoes, lost in the bloom of his magnificence, while the children laugh and cry and reach out for more. And I really wanted to end on this image of these children reaching out for more because the carnival man kind of facilitates the magic that these children are experiencing, and they're kind of connected in that way. It was interesting, especially talking about the carnival man's childhood previously in the piece. These children are experiencing a childhood that is more typical, that you would expect that kids would go to the carnival and that they would play these carnival games and they would win goldfish, but the carnival man had never experienced those things as a child. These children couldn't begin to understand the motivations of a man who spends every night with an inflatable woman. And so I had these lines in the poem, and I thought, you know what, these are are decent, I really want to keep them. And it was about a 75 to 100-word poem, and I thought, well, okay, I'm going to convert this to a piece of fiction. And I wanted to kind of flesh out exactly who this character was. The entire third paragraph of this story, this list of items, the rust-free quarter panels, the wheels of Spanish cheese... All of that was not included in the poem, and I just thought it was the opportunity to deepen and maybe go beyond what I was able to do in the poem. Even though I say I'm not a poet and it's not something that I write on a regular basis, I definitely appreciate the sound of the perfect line or the sound of a a really solid line of poetry, and I like to kind of adhere to those standards. I want my fiction to almost have a poetic quality to it, and I really definitely think about the way the lines sound. Before him, the red-faced youth of Topeka toss ping-pong balls into the open and waiting mouths of fish bowls. See the balls bounce and spin and dance. See the tightened fists of a child's expectations, the burst of frustration when their ball drops to the dirt. A loser. I'm a very slow writer in a way. Usually before I move to the next sentence, I've thought about the previous sentence for longer than it needs to be thought about because I just think, okay, I really want this line to be perfect. But obviously, half the process of writing is revision and it's definitely something that's kind of a more slow and arduous process. And in the original poem that I have here, I have a line, The Carnival Man, his skin the yellowed color and complexion of a grease-logged French fry, which interrupts, grabs a goldfish in a plastic bag from a box full of goldfish in plastic bags and when i went to convert it to the flash fiction piece i just thought that that, line, that you know that phrase his skin the yellowed color and complexion of a grease-logged french fry was just a little bit heavy-handed, and I wanted to strip that kind of over-descriptive phrase from the story because I thought it was almost like an underhanded dig at this character because it was getting more at the idea of the carnival man as a cliche, and I really wanted to stay away from that cliche, and so when I converted it, I just cut that, and when we cut that from the line and we were able to isolate, the carnival man grabs a goldfish in a plastic bag from a box full of goldfish and plastic bags. It just simplifies that sentence so much more and brings that image of the uh, plastic bags to the forefront. And I think it just really frees that line up and it became one of my favorite lines of the flash fiction piece. This character is somebody who we have so many built up expectations for and... I really was fascinated by this idea that maybe that they don't give a shit what we think. And in that way, he is in his own world. And he is part of this magical experience that these children are having. And he is in this self-contained world that for him is home and for him is magnificent. And now here's Pete Stevens reading his story, Carnival Man, in full. The Carnival Man. He reaches back with two hairy knuckled hands... Hands that never held the curve of her waist. Hands that never knew the stitching of a baseball in Titans' ponytail. Before him, the red-faced youth of Topeka toss ping pong balls into the open and waiting mouths of fish bowls. See the balls bounce and spin and dance. See the tightened fists of a child's expectations, the burst of frustration when their ball drops to the dirt. A loser. The children weren't there in the morning when the carnival man took his time to grease the rims of the bowls with Vaseline, nor did they see his deft and practiced folding of an elephant ear, or the way he brushed bits of cinnamon and sugar from the fuzz of his beard. These children couldn't begin to understand the motivations of a man who spends every night with an inflatable woman. They don't understand the hardships of travel from town to town through the night, how a polite gesture in one state is vilified in another. The children continue to toss. Soon, a little girl in a pink dress, her face a pink mask of smeared cotton candy, sends a ball home. The carnival man grabs a goldfish in a plastic bag from a box full of goldfish in plastic bags. He doesn't count the number of goldfish, the number of bags he's filled, or the number of cities he's come to and left. Toledo, Tallahassee, Omaha, and Oklahoma City. He doesn't remember the night in Waco with the rooster in the flames. He doesn't remember the day in Nashville when the Gravitron broke free from its housing and ascended, spinning, into the clouds. Strips of Iberico bacon, wheels of Spanish cheese, rust-free quarter panels, the right to vote, a clean credit history, the latest in digital technology, poetry readings, handjobs, blowjobs, kisses for mother, all of these things. This is not what he wants. See the loose swing of his walk his open and sure-footed gait. See the mothers turn their heads as he strides past, unflinching. The carnival man hoses mud from his shoes, lost in the bloom of his magnificence, while the children laugh and cry and reach out for more.